Our next retreat is finally here. It's called Adventures in Energetics, and it's happening November 8th to the 14th, 2024 in Boquete, Panama. This seven-day, six-night retreat in the beautiful cloud forest of Panama is going to be a unique experience. This program is a not-for-beginners retreat. And what I mean by that is you will actually have to fill out an application before you will be accepted to be able to register for the program because we are going to be doing more advanced level energetics and I need to make sure that everybody who comes is actually ready for the work. We will be doing a Kundalini awakening. We will be doing group visioning process called a spiritual canoe. We will be doing daily presence practices and working on expanding our energy. We will be doing daily rituals. This process will be related to specifically the people who are there because in addition to filling out the questionnaire about what your experience is, you're also going to ask for what it is that you'd like to learn. So part of the curriculum for this is set and part of it will be designed around the desires of the participants. I only have 20 beds available for this retreat, so it will fill up quickly. So this is the time to register. Do not wait. To find out more, go to kellysparta.com forward slash retreat. I look forward to seeing you there. Welcome to the Derek Loudermilk Show. This is episode 355 with Marin Hope Azoff. Today, we have my good friend Marin Azoff on the show, and her objective is to help people speak up instead of talking down, to help heal your voice, and to heal the whole human race through song and expression. I was on her vocal transformation retreat in California a couple months ago, and I was just blown away by how she showed up by everything that she was teaching us, but also by the amazing transformation that I saw people go through on this retreat. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in this interview. Marin has developed this whole system of vocal transformation. And we won't go through the system today because that's been covered in other podcasts. But we will talk about how she, over decades, created this system and became this evolved, expressive, pure person that you'll hear her show up as and how she was able to blend these different areas of classical vocal training, psychedelic and plant medicine work, Buddhist tradition, biohacking, all these different things that she blends together in her teaching. We're going to talk about things like how the voice magnifies the law of attraction. We're going to talk about her and her partner Patrick's pretty special relationship, how it's founded on radical honesty. I got to see that firsthand. Patrick was also at this retreat in California. You know, my life has been full of magical, synchronistic things happening since that retreat. Uh, one of the things we talk about is how people started telling me and they tell Marin all the time things that they've never told anybody else. So we talk about what is this that it's opening in ourselves and in other people when we do this work. We talk about how mastering our ego and our relationship with our ego creates this new way of being. We're going to talk about sex and sex as a creative force throughout history. And she tells some really amazing adventure stories. You know, we're going to dig more into her backstory, including the time when she had to sing herself for hours to the hospital in the middle of nowhere when she had broken her arm in Fiji. And as you may be able to tell, there's no one anywhere in the world quite like Marin. So if you're ready, 
Let's go! Marin Hope, Marin Azoff, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. And this is exactly 40 days since we last saw each other because I was, uh, I've been chanting for 40 days uh, as my homework assignment from your retreat in California. Uh, and that's when we met. And uh, so good to see you again. That is fortuitous timing, isn't it? That's incredible. How's your chanting going? It's great. I love it. Uh, it feels it feels good. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know how. I haven't really noticed a change, but um, so, so okay. Let's let's give some context. So this retreat in California, I think, is uh, a great place for us to start this conversation because a friend of mine, a mutual friend, someone who's been on on this show before. I've been on her show, Beth Weinstein. The, the host of the Psychedelic Entrepreneur podcast, she said, you'll love Marin. You, you got to go. This is powerful work. And that was really all it took. I, tr- I trust Beth. She said, go. And I felt like I needed something and it, it worked out. So when I tell people about it, however I tell them, they say, I need that. Sometimes mm-hmm. I say, oh, you know, I was working on my voice and it's, you know, you're learning about the chakras. And, but we did all this other stuff. We did singing and chanting and dancing and saunas and, uh, you know, ice plunges and hiking and um, medicine work, psychedelics and all of these things to, to open up how we speak. But I'd love to just hear from you. You call it vocal transformation, but it is so broad. I'd love to hear, you know, how you describe it. So this work is a way to find the power of your voice. And most people, when they hear vocal transformation, they think it's about singing and singing is a definite byproduct and an awesome piece of what you can accomplish from the work. But the work itself is actually about getting or feeling and owning the full vibrational frequency of your voice. The reason why in those retreats, we do all those different things is because it has to be embodied for it to be your full voice. Your authentic voice comes from your entire vessel. Most humans are relegating their voice to their throat and their, their nose and their facial, facial resonators, right? We are afraid to get in and to see what's like living inside these tissues, but your voice is your soul's dynamic life urge for truthful expression. And that truth is the authentic experience of your life. Right? So your soul wants to be able to express what experience it's having without any editor, without any questioning or self-doubt or control or manipulation. And what I do is I set up these retreats with all different ceremonies and, and prayers and, and experiences that we go through together so that you can feel your soul in your body and then express completely freely, right? To feel who you are in these new different experiences to alter your mind so that you can actually let your soul speak its experience and then to find your true voice. A voice that I think the human race has, has uh, lost on a lot of levels. I think that's why people say that's what I need, but they don't even know exactly what it is, but they know that they need, (laughs) they need something. And so I saw other people go through physical, you know, they look and sound different from the seven days, uh, a friend, Connie, right. She, she healed her knees as a byproduct of, of working on her voice, which was amazing. 
and <laughs> people were were crying and 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 saying you know they they looked at things they've never looked at in themselves before and i mean even just just doing that that kind of stuff is is a powerful experience um how how did you get to create the vocal transformation where how did you how do you get to this place so i was a professional singer i was i was they found my voice when i was five years old and they started training me right so i learned (laughs) my my teachers in my school i have a i have a very funny story where i was in a pageant in kindergarten and i was supposed to not sing it wasn't my job to sing there was this little boy who was supposed to sing god bless america in this pageant and I was just saying a little little speech about like Abraham Lincoln. It was like this Americana theme. <laughs> and the day before the pageant, his mother came in and said, he can't sing God Bless America. We're Jehovah's Witnesses. He cannot say that word. We didn't know he had volunteered to do this. So I saw my teachers in a state of well, who's going to sing this. And I just said, I'll do it. Right. And they didn't know that I could sing. I don't know that I knew. I mean, I must have known that I could sing. I can't remember if I was singing back then. But I just saw that they needed help. And that's kind of who I've always been since I've come here. I've just, I see a, a hole that needs filling and I'll go and fill it, right? So, um, so yeah, I, I, I said yes and I sang and my parents tell me the story. They were crying. Everyone was handing tissues to my mother. Oh my God, this girl can sing, right? So what happens when they find a talent? When, when someone finds a talent at a young age is they just, they throw you in. There you go. Here's lessons. You're going to learn how to do this. You're going to be a star. Right. And I was all on board for that. I loved it. I loved the attention. I was really into it. And I loved that attention because there was other things going on in my life that were actually quite hard at that time, which is part of what this work has come to. And I wouldn't have known that until I was 33 years old. So fast forward to some deep trauma work and finding out like what started to happen at that point. It was a time in my life where I would have been quiet, but something in my soul just reached out. And then they taught me how to sing. So the foundation of the work is there's classical voice training involved in this. I know the muscles and how the voice works. I even use this voice sometimes in ways beyond what a classical voice training would give you because even that is limited in this approach, right? So from from learning how to use my voice classically and- Can I interrupt you again really quick? Mm -hmm. Because someone, I was telling someone about, again, the retreat to a lot of people and they said, oh, Azov, the- um, there was an Azov in the record industry, like someone's last name was Azov. Was that your family? In the yeah, music his name's Irving Azov. He's very Irving big Azoff. in the music industry. He doesn't even know that I exist. But you're related. Very, if we're related. It's a very funny phenomenon in my family. He's got this huge success uh, in the in the music industry. And I have this voice. I've always had this very powerful voice, but we're not the two sides, the East Coast and the West Coast. It's kind of like the the gangs were not connected to each other. So one day maybe Irv and I will meet each other and he will, and I will be able to say here, we're in the same family and this is the work that I do, this vocal work, you know? It's, um, I could probably benefit like 90% of the people he assigned. You know, I could probably go in there and really help them activate deeper into their art and deeper into their voice. And maybe one day that'll happen. Well, let's send him this interview and see what he thinks. <laughs> do that, that's a great idea. Sorry, uh, but yeah, he's, yeah, for sure. Um, so the work started there, I would say, but I was uh, I was singing 
professionally. And that was my goal, right? That was my whole identity was around like being a professional singer that comes with so much pressure. The pressure of the human voice, when you find, when you find you have a talent, you just have to be the best at it. We go into that competitive spirit. We have to audition. We have to get roles. We, we have to keep on, you know, getting better at this so that we could be the best. And there was just a lot of that growing up where I was solely focused on the performance aspect of it and missing out on what I now know, which is why we have a voice and what the voice, the medicine that our voice is for ourselves and the world, right? Did you love it at the time? For sure, yeah. It was definitely, there was pressure of like always being really good. I remember when I was younger, I'd always get sick before my opening nights of performances that I was in. I'd have like 102 fever and I'd always have to do the first performance sick and push myself through this fever. Now, if you go into the chakra work, which comes into this vocal work, that's all solar plexus speaking, right? The fire inside of us, the solar plexus is your house of your ego and it's where your insecurity lives. So nervousness and insecurity and doubt would bring the fire, which would then of course give me that fever. And now I understand that as an adult, but as a child, I was just sabotaging myself because my solar plexus was activating because of fear that was taking over that I wasn't gonna be good enough or that I was gonna crack on that high note or that something was gonna go wrong, right? So many of us have stage fright, we get it. It feels like your heart starts to race, your tongue goes numb, all the energy moves up towards the head, you can't catch your breath, you can't get underneath it, right? And, and your voice gets really shaky and breaky because there's so much energy moving into the throat and into the head because all of your prana is moving up towards the head because you're freaking out, right? So, um, so that was happening to me, but I, I loved it. I mean, my whole identity was wrapped around, around being a singer until I started to really resent that, right? As you get older, you're like, who's Marin without that, right? And so I, I started to really want to know what was going on beyond just the singing voice. And, and the singing voice was given to me as performance, right? I now know that singing is prayer, right? So there's a very different way of, of looking at your voice is the offering of your spirit to the world. The vibrational power of your spirit moves through your earth body. And that offers a frequency to the planet. If you're looking at a quantum level to this earth and not our ego and self identities, if you're looking at a quantum level, it's one energy, it's one soul. We individualize into these, into these bodies and we have sovereignty over this or and responsibility over this incarnation, we'll say. But everything you do in this life affects the entire grid of energy that we're all part of. There is no separation between anything. It's very illusory, the separation. So I always say with your voice, what you say, what you don't say, how you say it, how you don't say it, and who you say it to and who you don't say it to creates your life, it creates your world. In the ancient Vedic texts, they talk about the human voice as unmanifest form. The power within the human frequency of our voice creates the physical world. Can your listeners at home even, even Think about this for a second. When they think about themselves, when they, when, they, when they really bring their awareness into their own life and the power that they actually have. Most of us believe that the world is happening to us, but we are co-creators of this entire experience. And what we do every single day of our lives matters. 
And we expect someone from the outside world to think and feel the way we think and feel and to do something. They're the ones with the power. They've got, we've voted them into office. They're the ones who can make the vote, whatever it is, right? They're the ones with the money. They're the ones with the resources. I'm not that person. But meanwhile, you have a cosmic spirit that is running through every cell of your earth intelligence, your body. And when you use your voice in that power, your physical frequency that gets created from that collapses into physical form. Even though the human voice is not seen by the eye, right? It's a physically um, uh, measurable thing. It's a frequency pattern coming out of you that then will collapse into reality. Can you right? give maybe an example of, of what that looks like when, when like, the expression I heard recently is densifying into, into matter, um, what that could actually be? Well, it could be a lot of different things. Uh, if, we go, if we go with the ancient wisdom that I'm teaching, which is Sanskrit, right? And if we go with where that came from 5,000 years ago, it was people meditating in chambers and chanting and visualizing a flower growing outside of the pyramid and walking outside and the flower had physically been created. Mm. Like it's that kind of physical power. We are, I, people don't like when I say this cause it feels like witchy, but it's not witchy, but we're casting spells, right? So we literally can physically create form. And that's the extreme case where you have really practiced and honed the craft, right? There's a certain level as you practice this, these, these practices and this, these, teachings where you can actually you are the godhead in form which is not not true of everybody right now <laughs> but you can actually build and build upon this power and ultimately earn the ability to create the world but that's the extreme case let's go into what everyone's experiencing but, okay but really quick day. i just want to hear like when you want to make something when you want to use your voice to make the physical reality like what what do you do mm -hmm. Okay, so there's one, one example, if it's say like, I'm gonna use the typical example, which is not normally what I'm asking for, but let's just say your, your people out there need to make some money, right? That's what everyone's thinking about these days. I need to get that thing. I don't have the cash for it or I can't pay my rent or whatever, we need money. Uh, physical prayer, vocal prayer. Uh, I pray in the eight directions. I pair my breath and my voice and I send it into the eight directions out loud. And I magnetize that into my reality and it works, right? So first is most people don't even want to ask for it. That's the first thing. They don't believe they're worthy of it. So they won't actually state it, right? The first thing is actually owning what you need and what you want and being able to feel your ability to get that thing. And then not God, please give this to me. But instead in an affirmative, I have this. This is mine, right? So there's a certain energy that has to go along with it. If you're constantly, and you know this from the law of attraction stuff and your voice is just a major magnifier for that law of attraction. But if you go out and say, please God make peace, right? <laughs> then you're asking God to do something that you have to first create within you. But if you can within you hold the feeling of peace and say the world is peaceful, you will start to create that reality. The other thing is in relationships, right? So we're all doing this together and how we speak to each other makes such a huge difference, right? Mm -hmm. uh, to physically manifest your world is to 
to bring all the energies at, at in service to the thing that it is that you want. So for me, uh, honestly speaking is the key, right? To speak, to, to know how to speak, first of all, what you need to ask for what you need in the world and to know how to speak when things aren't working for you as well so that you can create boundaries so that certain things stop happening to you. This is enormous. Most people are not empowered enough in their voice to even know what they need, right? That's the first step. We have to know who we are and we have to know what world we wanna create. And once we get there, then we have to empower our voices to ask for it, right? And I see this, I see this in my kids, but I see it in a lot of grownups, like something that you have to ask them to ask for the thing. Like, I can't get, I can't cut my food. I can't get my clothes on. Do you want to ask for help? Like, I can do, I can ask for help. And then they do it. But with, you know, even with people in business, you know, like, do you, would you like me to help you with that? Or do you want to keep banging your head against the wall? <laughs> exactly. And you're so good at that. You're so good at helping people. You're like, but but that is it, it, the fear of rejection, I think, is what stops most people. And I think that's what stops the voice in general. Most human beings at some point when they were a child expressed themselves freely and were told that it was not okay. And that's the beginning of the issue around the voice. And it happens super young when we're very vulnerable. So you said something in your honesty and someone either told you you were stupid, you sang and someone said, you, you can't sing, you shouldn't sing or your brother made fun of you or someone, you know, someone told you that you sucked, right? Or you asked for something at a time or acted in a certain way that felt very natural to you and someone around you said, no, you're not allowed to do that. That's the majority of it. I'd say that third one because parenting is such a difficult thing to do. But when, you're, when your child is just acting like a child, without any, they don't know what they're doing is wrong or is, is not allowed or whatever, but they're just doing what consciousness is naturally doing through them. And then they get in trouble for it. They think, oh my God, I can't just follow my instincts. I have to, I'm being trained, like I'm not okay. And that's, that's like the first big wound in the voice. You know, um, my kids are super loud and would they will come in speaking at like a 10 out of 10 like i have a story to tell you oh my god and it's sometimes very hard on the nervous system especially if you're coming from a peaceful place and you're like i need you to be much quieter than that and i'm also aware like when i'm saying i'm like oh am i am i like clamping down on his expression because i'm can't handle this intense loudness it's uh well, yeah, how would you how say that? Let's, let's, yeah, let's use that as an example. So why not use it as a, as a form of education? You first, of course, what would you say to your child? You don't want him to not tell you what he has to tell you. You want to hear it. So of course, the first thing you would say is that honesty. I really want to hear what you have to say. I'm excited. I hear that you're excited. I'm a little bit uh, tired right now, or that volume is a little bit too much for me. Can we just bring it down? Your voice has a lot of different volumes right? Maybe we try to say this at like a medium volume, but I want to hear it. Come on, tell me, right? Mm, and to, yeah, to, to approach it in a way where they're, they're being educated that they can use their voice in different ways and that it doesn't always have to be a 10, but that you, instead of going like, oh my God, you're so loud and hurting their feelings, you approach it in a way that, that they can learn from it and they know that you still want to hear what they have to say. Yes. That feels amazing. That's good. And when, and when you're talking to adults, 
right? <laughs> it's so easy to do this in child, in like to a child, because you care for a child and you want to nurture a child and you don't want to screw up your children and parents feel a lot of pressure around that. But every single human being on the planet as an adult is a child walking around in a larger body. And if we would actually just look at the world that way, see the inner child, know our inner child and see their inner child, this whole world would function so differently, right? I, I see there's a lot of applications for you know, adult relationships, marriages, romantic relationships in this as well. Um, I, I, gosh, we're still, we're still theoretically on the thread of like how you got into this, but I also want to make sure to ask about your relationship, you and Patrick, Patrick, your partner, uh, was also at the retreat and I saw and and heard you say like, this is the first relationship where, where it's like, I'm not sure the words you, you were using, but it's, it's whole complete, you know, we have this respect, uh, we could all see that in a lot of ways, of course, every relationship is still messy to some degree, I'm sure. But yeah, we'd love, would love to hear uh, if we're, if we're talking about then how this applies interpersonally, maybe we could just talk, touch on that. Yes. And then we will go back to how this came together because I do want to share like how the whole program works, but Patrick, Sir Dam, my beautiful partner. um, So we, we are in a relationship that's the healthiest relationship I've ever been in. And it's challenging to be in a healthy relationship because your ego wants it to not be healthy because it's so (laughs) used to it not being healthy. And so you, you look for what to pick on because it's too good almost, right? I, I think a lot of humans in the world can fall into that category of when's the other shoe gonna fall? When's this gonna end? How's this person gonna break my heart? Can I trust? All those things, right? So the story of our relationship is we both, we both swore off relationship for a minute. We both took a, a, a series of a, a piece of a time of abstinence where we decided to do a lot of self work and not be always in the mirror of another person and how they see us, but instead really look at who we are and know ourselves completely and then enter a relationship as a whole person. And I think that was huge you know, for both of us beforehand to know where our boundaries are and what feels good for us. And also to just love ourselves again, because when you're in enough toxic relationships, you really can start to doubt whether or not you're, you're, you know, what's best for you or like what's right or what's wrong or, and there's just a codependence that gets formed when you're in a lot of relationships. So we took that pause. But then when we met each other, uh, when we decided we wanted to try to have a relationship, right? There was both an element of fear. For both of us, there was a, I don't think I want to get back into it. I've been through this a lot. It takes a lot of energy and a lot of work. And we were both professionally doing our own things and feeling really good in our lives. And we didn't necessarily want to screw it up with all this crazy stuff that comes up with sexuality and relationship and intimacy and all of that, right? Um, But we trusted it and decided to enter a relationship of radical honesty. And this has changed my life. Even if Patrick and I do not last till the last breath that we both have on this earth, we will never not be loving each other, no matter what he does or doesn't do or I do and don't do. And this is something that we know in our hearts to be true So with that, there's so much respect and adoration that I haven't experienced in other relationships. He was afraid to break my heart, right? He's broken many hearts before. And I was afraid to mess things up and have my heart broken. And I don't know, I've screwed things up too, right? Um, 
And so we decided when we started that we were going to not keep anything from each other ever, even though sometimes he says things that can take my breath away and make me have to like process where that might be coming from. And even though I might do things that he was is like this woman, I don't even know who this woman is. This is like, because we're both so consciously free, we, we allow ourselves to be who we are all the time, right? So because of our radical honesty, we share with each other whatever is coming up. You don't have to tell them every time you go to the bathroom and every time you like brush your teeth, <laughs> not that kind of stuff, right? But like anything that's, that's stirring inside or any um, things that wanna be done or other desires or other things, just anything that comes up that most people would keep inside. You know, you have a dream and it's, oh God, if I told my partner this dream, they'd think, you know, they'd start to not trust me or something. It could be a lot of things, right? But it doesn't matter. He knows he can tell me absolutely everything. And I him. And even if it's hard, it's a hard pill to swallow or it's something that is like, mm, knowing that we are not going to suddenly find out that a secret's been kept or that, you know, someone saw him doing something that I know nothing about. And there's, and there's anything between us, knowing that that's not there is freedom that I've never experienced before. And I can ask him for anything I need. Uh, he can do the same. We can take space when we need to and not worry about what the other's doing. We can be together when we need to and, and love being together without anything between us. Like, oh God, there's something that I, uh, I'm keeping the secret or anything like that. So radical honesty for me was, is the key for all of life, right? And there's a great book that you can look up, Radical Honesty, where he actually goes into it. And the story of Patrick and myself was that I asked for radical honesty and he actually had the book when I asked for it. So that was like, you know, God winking as they call it, or like <laughs> the, the universe being like, yep, yeah, it's time. And so we've entered a relationship where I don't want him to be anybody else than who he is. And he doesn't want me to be anybody else than who I am. And I think that because of our early childhood traumas, because of these core wounds that most of us never go in and heal, we are always trying to make our partner fit our paradigm of what a person is supposed to be, what love is supposed to look like, instead of fully allowing a person to be a person and loving them in their fullest expression, right? And so we're, we're I wouldn't say that we're 100% perfect, you know, like there's work, love is work. Love is deepening and deepening and deepening every day, right? That's, that's love. Have you ever struggled with the radical honesty part where you you wanted to withhold some something for sure yeah there are times that well there are times where <laughs> yes actually i'm thinking of one right now there are times when you think well this person will be hurt by this but there's no reason for them to be hurt by it because it doesn't really i still love them and whatever happened here whatever i'm doing there like they're not gonna like this and i don't want them to look at me a certain way so yeah there are definitely times where where we, on, on both sides, I can recall actually just one occasion for each of us that really stick out where it took a little while for that to come out. You know, we're like, we held it for a little while and then we're like, you know what, I gotta tell you. Like we almost, I almost didn't tell you and I gotta tell you. And that actually brought us much closer together, right? So instead of being like, well, why didn't you tell me and what are you keeping from me? You know, it's this, okay, well, thank you. Cause what we find is in that moment, you're always hitting on a core wound right? In a moment where um, I don't want to, I don't want to tell him that, or I don't want to tell her that, right? That's always because if that comes out, your fear of rejection about something that you're really trying to protect, some, some core wound there is so strong. 
But when you actually say it out loud, it's so freeing, right? I, I work with students who tell me things that they've never told anybody, right? It's all confidential. I'm, I'm in a completely non-judgmental frame of mind. I, I have killed my judgment of self and other. As far as I see the human race, we are consciousness moving. We are the culmination of cosmic consciousness and earth consciousness working together. And our beautiful souls get the grand experience of that dance and of learning how to create with those two powers, right? Anything that happens through us, whether it's lies or the truth, whether it's you know breaking laws or whether it's doing things that we are ashamed of, right? That's all just consciousness. Because it's happening, it happens, right? For me, take yourself off the hook or off the cross, right? And realize that what's happening to you is what humans do this. You're never going to be the only person in the world that's lied, that's stolen, that's cheated, that's, you know, whatever, whatever it might be, that's even killed another person. I mean, think about the worst things that you could think of. We do that sometimes, right? So what it is, is to find out why, <laughs> why are you doing it? What are you getting from it? Or what are you not getting from it? But why, what, what are you punishing yourself over? There's a million reasons why we do the things we do, right? So I work with people who tell me things that they've never let anybody else hear because they know that it dies here with me. I won't share it. And that it's safe to say it because I'm going to love you regardless, right? Because we are love. We are love. It is love, right? Like, and with like that- confession. Yes, like except the difference between- the difference between my confession and the other is you don't have to say a Hail Mary to be forgiven. You don't have to, um, there's nothing to prove to a God that you are. In my, in my world, every single thing that we do is an experience that we have to have to learn very valuable lessons about how to evolve consciousness, right? So lying doesn't feel good. Murdering someone doesn't feel good. Stealing doesn't feel good. And it can get more, it can get worse and worse and worse as you go down those feelings. But every single thing that you do is for that moment that you realize, I don't want to feel this way anymore. I'm not going to do that anymore, right? And the moment that that healing has occurred, that you do not do it, that's forgiveness is there already. You didn't need me to forgive you. You don't need your ex-partner whose heart you broke to forgive you either. It's nice to have it. It's nice to be, to, to, to experience that solace, right? But at the same time, you do that yourself with God or whatever that entity is to you. I don't, there's no name for it. It's your own existence, right? That has to heal those wounds. And that person whose heart you broke, this is gonna be a very unpopular stance. I already can hear it as it comes out of my mouth. They needed their heart broken. So every person that's involved in the story is getting for their soul exactly what it needs to learn what to evolve through. As far as I'm concerned, this is not chaos. This is a beautiful coordinated plan. There's a lot going on in perfection. And the more medicine work I do, which is another leg of this work, right? Um, the more I understand that truth, that this is not just some random happening of events. There are gene lines that are holding stories that we must live through so that we can evolve our genetics. And you're part of that story, whether you want to be or not, but you did want to be because you're here and you actually got a ticket to the best show possible. You are consciousness <laughs> able to create. It's like humans to be a human being is the rarest, precious, most beautiful gift on earth. 
right? And even the pain, even the pain. I've been broken. I've been raped. I've been beaten. I've been lied to. I've been cheated on. I've been at all. I've been dragged through the mud as a person. And I've also done things, not all those things. <laughs> I've done things myself, right? And it's all been for the experience of what it means to be on earth. Earth is dirty. The little seedling grows through the dirt mm. to find the light. And if shit is put on that, it grows even better, right? We, we use compost. We use the dead, decaying crap, right? And if that goes in the soil, that makes it even stronger, right? We're no different from the, we are the earth. So when humans want to just be in their high all the time, and when humans just want to be in joy and in like, in, in love, and it's like, everything's supposed to be good all the time. Patrick and I, back to the original question, we've only gotten closer to each other, the more hard the relationship has gotten. When we hit those pockets where things are not pleasing and are actually difficult, then love gets a chance to say, well, how can love shine into this dark little corner? And when we can actually get that to happen, the feeling is so delicious. Like we just get closer and closer to each other, right? Instead of just, you're not being who I need you to be right now. I don't think we should be together anymore. You're not good for me, right? How do we actually work on, on how to bring love in between two things that seemingly are, are a little different, right? Mm. Incredible. <laughs> I, I wanted to let you know that after the retreat, I had that same experience where people would tell me things that they had never told anyone before. Normally I'm, you know, I'm a podcast host and I ask people questions and they tell me the answers, but this was a little bit different in that, you know, I sit down to coffee with someone who I don't know very well. And within 15 minutes, they're telling me something and they, they're like, you know, I've never told anyone this before. I'm like, why are you telling me? Well, there you have it. So there is an exact example of how your voice is manifesting the world. You are a frequency pattern and everything in that frequency pattern is either attracting what it needs towards it or polarizing what it does not need for its own journey. This is the power of the vocal transformation work. We're bringing into our lives what is unhealed within us and those relationships that we're in are helping us to get to that place of healing, that place of that time where I say once you, you stop doing the things you're doing because you no longer need to do it and you're forgiven. It's like the universe just looks at you and says, they got there, hallelujah, yay, right? Not <laughs> they're gonna be in the fiery pits of hell for all of eternity for all that stuff they did five years ago, right? It's, that's not the conversation. So you came to a, a retreat where you infused your actual frequency with that radical honesty. You, people were sharing, you were sharing. You were able to open up and, and talk about things that maybe you just don't talk about with the everyday person. And that becomes part of your energy grid. And now when someone else is around you, they feel safe to tell you things because you are literally vibrating it's safe to tell me things. I tell people things. I've been in a room where people have told me things. You can tell me things. And now those people don't realize that on a conscious level, on a mental level, but their physical body is being stirred by what frequencies you're sending out of your body. And this is how we're always interacting with each other. We are transmitters and receptors energetically. The mind and the words and all that actually gets in the way half the time. We're actually feeling each other on much deeper levels. 
right? So thank you for bringing me back. You're a wonderful podcast host because you, you're really good at bringing it back in. We don't know where this is going. So. I was in the middle of saying that people tell me things that they haven't told anybody ever. And I can tell you story after story where in that moment, it's almost like a, a cork is being pulled out of a bottle and there's a release, right? And it either will open up to a wellspring of tears or breathing patterns change. And there's like a release, a, a big release in the body that creates space for something new to enter where that story was holding space, right? And what your voice is doing or that their voices were doing constantly manipulating and moving around that story that's sitting in there holding space, right? So now there's an opportunity of real growth. There's an opportunity of seeing life actually change in the physical form. And I have a few stories where just the, just the sharing of it out loud moves it into movement where suddenly families were healed or that relationship, you know, that person that calls you, you finally tell me the story. And then that person who you haven't spoken to in years randomly calls you because it's ready. It's time to heal it now. Right. Mm. But it wouldn't have been unless you actually started to move it out of your system. Right. It's magic, but it's not, I mean, it's life. We, I, 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 I know the wonder and magic of what it means to be a human being because I experience my voice free all the time. And I help people come to these, these new awarenesses of what the power of their voice holds for their life all the time. And the power in it is why I do this work. I am tired of the narrative that humans are the problem, right? I'm really tired of hearing that we are the cancers of the world and that the world is going to end or that we are gonna be the end of this world or that the earth is gonna shake us off. You know, I hear, I hear people rooting for the earth winning, <laughs> right? And I, I know what we're capable of. All Which is, humans, that's, every it's really human. weird to, to think about that, like rooting against your, your, yourself almost. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that's because we in, live in a society that has filled us with self-loathing. When religion put God outside of us, we now feel unworthy of that connection. When God only wants us to embody him, her, it, <laughs> and to create, we literally have the power of the creation inside of our body. We build the cities and we tear them down. We are the Shiva, we are the Shakti. So if a human can step back into that power and understand what their capabilities truly are, this world is not coming to its end. It's coming to its rebirth. It's coming to its next level of, of life because the human race itself is going through an evolution that will evolve the entire planet. So my work as a vocal transformation coach and why for me, the voice has been, it was just, it, it is my path. It was my destiny. It's my natural, my natural path. And there are, there are many ways to find your power. But if your voice is not free to express its truest authentic expression, to speak the truth of the experience, to trust its instincts, its intelligences, and actually share that out in the world, someone else is driving the ship you are following, right? And when you actually start to awaken your voice, it's not just your voice, it's not your ego, because your true authentic voice is not your ego. 
It is literally your soul's consciousness and the earth's consciousness working through you. You can only get to your full access of your voice when the ego is not driving the show. When literally you are a channel for the divinity that you are. So I have seen humans step into this power. I've helped for over a decade. Humans come into this power and how their life changes, their money flow changes, their loving relationships change. They have children they never thought they could have. They build careers they never thought they could build. They heal all sorts of past trauma in their life that they have been to therapists for years and sat on couches and talked about, but still in their physical anatomy, the diseases are still there, right? Cured themselves of body illness that have, has come from long-term residual trauma that's sitting inside their body. When you witness this, when you actually live this as I do, all you want is for every human being to remember, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Just remember who you are and wake up already. Tell me what you want. Tell me what you need. Tell me what your heart truly desires because you're gonna find that when your heart is able to speak for itself instead of your head, which has been programmed by your society, but when your heart, which is your all-knowing center of truth, can speak its truest desire, everybody's going to feel the same way. We all have the same desire. And we don't want to die. We don't want to see the death of creatures. And we don't want to see the death of rainforests. And we don't want to see life itself, which is so fragile and precious, destroyed at our hand. But there's something that is blocking us and it is this early childhood trauma that the vocal transformation work helps you move through, right? Um, that stands in your way of remembering that you yourself can be the change. Thank you, Gandhi. <laughs> you know, be the change you wanna see in the world. It's not that hard. It just takes confidence, courage, and a true belief in yourself, knowing who you are. Right. Yeah, and as you know, as you say, be the change. Like it's such a, the the words themselves. You're like, yeah, hell, heck yeah, but the the knowing what that actually means is, I you know, I, I feel like out of reach until you go through like the the type of work you're doing right. to actually understand uh, how to be the change you want to see. Well, it has to do with energy flow, right? It has to do with energy flow. So you're the work that the work right it starts with classical voice training we'll go back to kind of what the what the work is and how it, yeah, how it perfect. goes then i mix in it's yoga it's the chakra system and it's the psychological development and the physical development of the human body as we move up through your chakra system and then it's um you know a bit of breath work and shamanic healing that comes along with it as well so it's, it's kind of a trifecta approach to understanding how your voice works right but your energies are stuck, they're stagnant in, in parts of your chakra system. And the way that our society has really pushed us to move, it's more towards cognitive function. So everything's about your, your, your head brain, right? And that is functioning your entire central nervous system. But the human being has three brains, which a lot of people out there might know, but if you don't, this is very important information. <laughs> um, we have a gut brain, the umbilical brain, right? And you hear more and more doctors talking now about the importance of microbiome and the importance of how this, this gut, the way you digest your food is linked into the earth, right? Physical health. This gut brain is actually running the entire body. It's the most important brain we have for physical existence. 
right? Because it's wired in through the womb intelligence, through your mother's womb and her mother's womb and her mother's womb, all the way back to when we were one gene code, the very first human tribe. And then we've, we splinter off from that, right? And the Human Genome Project has proven that we're really only 0.01% different from each other. 0.01%. And that 0.01% comes from where we geographically moved as we started to separate from each other from that original tribe, right? And our body had to adapt to different food sources and different environments and all those things. But really at the base core of every single human being, it's the same 99.99%, right? Your gut brain is tied into that information. Your gut brain is holding the information of your entire physical evolution all the way down your gene code back to the beginning of, of human time. So when we mess with our gut, which is what we see happening a lot with processed foods and you know, uh, just not having the nutritional value in genetically modified foods and things like that, we find that we're going a little bit loopy up here. Right? Humans are getting a little bit fried and we, we're, our lethargy and our energy isn't moving quite well. And, and um, we're more, we have more anxiety because our, our gut is creating like brain fog and it's not our cognitive abilities on the top are not functioning that well because our gut isn't functioning very well. Right. The gut, the, the gut is affecting these other two brains. Your second brain is your chi brain, your heart centered brain, which they would say is your emotional brain, but it's your feeling brain, right? It's the part of you that actually takes the gut information up towards the heart center, which is the, the center of your, this is the, the most powerful brain we have. Human beings are heart centered when we're functioning optimally because the heart is bringing the collective of the cognitive brain, which is up here and the gut brain up towards it, right? The, the heart sits in the center of these two brains and brings this information in to function together. The cognitive brain up here or your cosmic consciousness, your imagination, all of that that's happening. Um, we give that the most power. The, it, it, it functions, yes, the entire embodiment. So it is the overseer of the body and what's going on, but it's being fed so much information from these other two brains. So all three of these brains have to function together for you to optimally exist. It is not one without the other. We can't just learn in a book again and again and again things without actually embodying it. You actually don't learn anything until you have physically embodied it. You might think you know it at a cognitive level, but you have not lived it to be the truth yet until it's in your flesh. Right. So we go to school and we learn and we learn about psychology. Sure. I can learn all about the personality types. I can learn all about psychology. I can learn and learn and learn. But until I actually implement it into my life and see that it works, I don't know it to be true at all. It's someone else's words on paper. It might make sense to me. I might align with it. Like I, that feels like it resonates with me and it feels like it's the truth. Right. But you don't know anything to be true unless it's in the flesh. If it's your experience, it's true for you. If it's not, it might be somebody else's truth and not yours, correct? So when these three brains are working together, that means that your energy will be flowing. You'll be embodying in your life. You'll be loving. You'll be giving love, receiving love. There'll be no blockages of emotional patterns that get in your way of like truly living your ultimate life. And you'll also have higher levels of intelligence. And beyond anything that any other human has taught you, you'll, you'll actually be able to channel stuff from the far beyond, which I know I experienced, with, I experienced with you a lot during our retreat. 
you guys out there, Derek has some very profound abilities. Um, but to be able to really bring in information that is even like, where's this even coming from? I'm just going to trust it. And knowing that, wow, that came from something outside of myself, right? That is, that is the, um, the alignment of all of your energy centers, all of your chakras working together with no blockages, dormancies, and obstacles. Those dormancies and obstacles come from early childhood trauma that is not processed from your core wounds. And the majority of somatic therapies talk about this as mm. it's the primary thing. You can't keep telling yourself the same story about yourself and expect your life to ever look any differently. We have to move beyond the old story into the new paradigm. So the vocal transformation work is about going back to the very beginning and going through the story of your life up until now and finding all the areas of blockage, trauma, resistance, and healing it for once and for all, using the power of your own voice, getting that energy center open and moving, and then your whole flow of energy is different. And that's when you're like, people can, you say people can know it, but they like, they, they don't, how do I actually embody it? Well, until you step into a practice where you, you physically put yourself into this work, you won't. You'll say, you oh yeah, they, they tell me that. Heal themselves once and for all. You can heal yourself once and for all. I, I literally call this a rebirthing pro pro process. Um, like people come in if they're ready. If you're not ready to rebirth, you will not rebirth. Your mind is so strong. Your ego is so strong. The game of, of mastery over your ego is... It's the ultimate game of life, right? <laughs> to me, it's the key to the kingdom of heaven on earth. But it's something that you have to have, you, wanna, you have to want it. And if you show up to it, you can do it. Every human being can. The Buddha gave us a full pathway of how that's possible, right? And there are many paths, but your voice is a key, a key path to finding that enlightenment, you know? That's the other thing. Um, I don't think humans are necessarily ready for enlightenment. Uh, we, we want it in this, in this way of like, oh, it's a great idea. Like, how do I kill myself? But the idea of death is so scary to humans that we're not really ready to kill ourselves the way that the Buddha did, right? And what I mean by self is not physical. I mean that ego identity, which is mm. why we fear death to begin with, because the ego dies. Like, I, I have right? trouble throwing out my fifth grade homework that my mom's like i kept this and i'm like maybe i should keep it <laughs> yeah, i'm gonna want to know what i answered right that's the thing right we want to hold on to our identity so strongly so right now human beings as i see it are in the middle of an evolution from solar plexus to heart chakra right if we if we look back at the human race all the way back at the beginning we were at a root chakra level of existence it was all survival it was hunter, gatherer, tribes, procreation, surviving winters. Like how do, we, how do we populate and how do we get more human? We figured that out, didn't we? Um, now, <laughs> now, now we are at a place where our solar plexus evolution is moving up into the heart chakra. We've moved through the second chakra with the rise and fall of the Roman empire. Second chakra is all about sensory pleasure. So we, it was, you know, indulgent eating into vomitoriums, you know, and eating more. It was group sex and it was these big, you know, just this, this yummy time of like the, this age of just like indulgence, right? Mm, yeah. And then, and then there was a plague, which put an end to that. And we moved into the third chakra, which is where God is outside of yourself 
every man for himself, ego identity, right? And I, I say that because we became dirty, right? Like this whole thing fell apart and it was like, we're the sinners. We're now separate from the divine. And this is what we're, we're crawling our way back out of. They gave, they put God in a body outside of ourselves. And they said, you're the sinner. You have to earn God. And instead of saying, wait, there's a way we can be, <laughs> you can be one with it. Um, and that's the third chakra. So the third chakra is representing your ego identity and your feeling of a separate self from the world. It's the part of us that creates all of our misery because all the human being wants is connection, but we can't get it because we have this ego that makes us constantly feel separate. I'm, I'm yeah. curious about, um, you mentioned, I believe the bubonic plague and sort of ending that second chakra um, and what's the word for enjoyment of just earth's pleasures? Uh, hedonic. Hedonism. Hedonism. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the so the play came and sort of reset things, and we had the dark ages. Um, but how does this tie in with uh, taking God outside of the self? Because because I'm kind of curious about the the progression of of history and sort of the human you know what what we're creating when did that happen? that was that was the beginning of like the extreme takeover of the patriarchal society that was the beginning of um like owning everything for christ right and the puritanical surge that came out of um seeing seeing the the the, the hedonism right i think about uh king solomon who came before christ right he had um sacred prostitution he had women who gave their body to the church and wives would send their men to the church oh, yeah. and sleep with I, these women so that they could actually in, have in fertility. The, uh, it's like the first book in the Bible where they're talking about this. Yeah. 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 He used the power of sexuality because within our sexuality, which is something that with this, um, <laughs> with the vocal transformation, we actually go into the second chakra and our major issue around sexuality but sex is one of the greatest medicines that the human can, can bring into the world. Orgasm is healing. And it's an opening of a portal. It's an opening of a portal of cosmic consciousness through the body. And it's a merging of these two uh, in, in, incredible intelligences. And it can heal a lot. But what it really does is it brings a surge of cosmic life force energy in through the embodiment. And so normally that surge would bring a baby, right? It brings, it's enough of a surge that new life emerges. But if you don't get impregnated and you're not bringing another human life in, the mere act of, of orgasm brings life to the planet beyond just humanity. And the ancient, uh, the ancient tantric texts talk about this a lot, but King Solomon, which is not tantra at all, knew this, right? And he used to have these, these orgies, these group sex acts to bring in ritualistically, bring in that energy so that crops would grow, animals would multiply, that the, that the, the, the whole society would thrive off of this energy that would move through the act of orgasm, right? <laughs> if only the human race understood how precious and beautiful orgasm is and what it how actually you, means to have a real How did you learn one. this? How did you learn that about <laughs> King Solomon? Where is that? Uh, I took a course a while ago around sacred prostitution, yeah. I took a course at a at a growing heart at the growing heart sanctuary. It was it was wonderful. The lover, the priestess. It was like we went into we went into understanding this word that we find so dirty, prostitution and 
the sluts and the, you know, like just the, what we do around sexuality when someone is exploring and experiencing that energy. And there is a major issue in our second chakra where there's so much trauma and there's so much wound that sex has become a transmutation device instead of a transformation device, right? So um, sex is designed to be a transformational, beautiful alchemical process. But when we're having sex with each other through a wounded self, we're taking a pain body that's living inside of our second chakra and we're moving it into something that's pleasurable. And we're also hurting each other in that process. We hurt ourselves more and we hurt each other more. Um, in Tantra, they talk about this thing called the fiendess. When a woman has, has been violated or has been mistreated during the act of sex, it doesn't have to be rape. It could just be, you know, no foreplay, no love, just like you, you get in the hole and then you're done. And then the husband goes to sleep or the boyfriend goes to sleep or you're like, bye, nice to know you. And I mean, this happens more and more than I, than I really want to admit about my beautiful human race, but it happens a lot um, where it's just done for the visceral animal aspect and there's no real connection, which is what it's designed for. Um, this energy gets stuck inside of the woman's second chakra and it creates this thing they call the fiendess, which is uh, an egregore of, of sorts or, or an energy body that literally wants to destroy. Hmm. So women will become vicious. And the first act of viciousness is towards the self because it's in the self, but then it becomes the projected viciousness outward. And it's so tragic. I, I actually, another not very popular uh, stance here because I support and love my women completely. And I'm a hundred percent with the Me Too movement as far as women needing to vo vocalize when this, these lines are being crossed. But I see it very clearly with the Me Too movement that the female wants to tear the man down, right? This is such a, this is ancient wisdom at play here as I see it. Uh, yes, they've been mistreated. We have been mistreated. Yes, we have been used and we have been, we've been put those ceilings on us and they have, they have made us feel like we are not as powerful and, and this needs to be rectified. I don't think that rectifying it is actually tearing down the power of the man. I think it's, it's, it's gonna come with healing. That's the only way it's gonna come. How do we actually rehabilitate an issue, right? How do we actually nurture the divine masculine instead of always talking about toxic masculinity? We have to instead bring it into the divine, which every man possesses. So when I see the woman tearing the man down, it's just very non-feminine to me. It's very unnatural. Mm -hmm. We are the nurturers. The female is the nurturer. We are the life givers. We support life. We create life within our womb. We bring life. And whether that's in a child or not, that's how the feminine is on the earth. We are the, we are the nurturing force, right? So when you see this, uh, this interplay where there is toxic masculinity, where there should be divine masculinity, right? Um, the female, that's the wounded one. This is not her fault. I'm not blaming us. I mean, this is, this is just a natural thing, right? It's our instinct is no, right? And we are powerful and we will tear you down. That is showing up as a second chakra problem, right? We need to move through that so that we can actually heal ourselves and each other and then move all that energy up towards the heart, which is where it's dying to go. It is dying to get to unconditional love. And that's why our religions are all are showing us that, right? God, the unconditional love of Christ that lives within our own being when we allow all of this to heal so that we can move up through. 
right? So we come out of the second chakra and we move into third chakra, which is the separate sense of self. So Puritanism comes out of that time, right? And, and this idea of like isolation and sex only for procreation and we can't enjoy this, you know, we just have to like do this. Of course, everyone's still out there doing their things behind the closed doors because now it's a sin and now you have to like hide it, right? But still, no, it's just marriage for procreation and it's just, everything's got to be super pure, super pure. And you have to prove yourself, you have to prove yourself that you, you're okay. You have to control yourself and you have to, you know, whatever. And then in that solar plexus where guilt and shame and all that lives, if you can't control your natural animal instincts and so we're here right now in a very big way, the development of our ego and who we think we are and, and our idea of who we are, right? And that's all solar plexus work. And as I see right now with all of the arguments that we're having, we're seeing, we're seeing the vaxxed and the non-vaxxed, we're seeing that Republicans and the Democrats, we're seeing the race wars, we're seeing all of this like isolation and separation. And Yes, it's all very valid to what's happening, but what it's breeding is more of a distance. It's breeding more of a separation from each other. It's from a self-loathing that's creating an outward loathing. And literally the third chakra is pulling apart. Our ego identity is becoming so strong that during this time of COVID, families are falling apart. Friendships are ending. Communities are breaking apart over differing ideas over what is going on, right? This is all ultimately to lead us to the heart chakra because plagues come to the human race to wake us up, right? And so right now it's painful and it hurts. Nobody sees me, nobody appreciates me, nobody understands me, you're not like me, right? And that at some point, that pain is going to get so severe that we're not gonna have a choice but to move on from that, right? So. I know it's hard right now for everybody, but I see the way the next step, which is ultimately after the solar plexus, this ego breaks. There's only one place to go and it's back to connection. It's back to our heart center. It's back to love. So for, for somebody listening that's experienced what you're talking about, which I think probably a lot of us have <clears throat> in terms of being like thinking someone else is wrong or has lost it, or they're just not seeing what you're seeing. Um, besides doing vocal transformation work, uh, what would you suggest to address that within yourself? Self-love is the ultimate thing. And so for me, meditation, it's never been a more important time to take a meditation practice. There's so much external input. There's so much misinformation and information there's so many all um, altering ideas there's so much of the unknown that is being blasted into us and because of our need for safety humans want to belong so desperately we just want to belong so even in this fight we're fighting i belong to this group i belong to this group we belong somewhere so we feel okay you know like i all agree with these people i belong in something you belonged the moment you were born you came into this earth, you belong. <laughs> there is nowhere else you belong more than on this planet. Whatever your opinion is, whatever your desires are, whatever it is, the earth, the earth welcomed you and your soul was incarnated into this reality. You belong here while you're here, right? You don't need another human being to tell you that. You don't need anybody else in this race to make you feel like you belong. Instead, go inward 
and find your light again. The work is about remembering who you are innately. So meditation is a way to quiet the mind, all the thoughts, all the anxieties, all the stresses, like to quiet all the input and to get down to the truth that lives inside your being. If you're not gonna do the vocal work, which is a moving meditation, it's, it is meditation work, but you're, if you're not gonna do that, it's silence in a world of chaos will start to allow you to hear this voice, the heart voice. We just need to tune back in. And when we get into the heart chakra, self-love is much harder than outward love. All of the broken relationships, all of the falling apart really comes from a lack of self-love, self-understanding. If you knew who you were, if you knew how beautiful you were, how powerful you are, if you knew how blessed you are, if all those things, if you, if you understood your consciousness and how precious your life is, you would treat yourself differently and everyone else differently, right? And so I always find when I'm working with the heart chakra, it's always about balance of giving and receiving, right? Humans need to receive just as much as they give. And we find that in our world, we give, 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 and we have a harder time receiving. Even a compliment is hard for most humans to actually receive. Like, oh no, don't say that, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> we, we can't receive, right? And so that's the actual first half of giving love. We have to love what we are to really understand what everything else is. So I guess that would be my advice. Whatever your pathway is towards that, music, yoga, dancing, you know, get back into your wild nature, find out who you are again, come back to yourself and love yourself. And from there approach the world know how much power you have in your loving center. The ego is strong and sure the ego could do a lot and tear a lot down. The heart would never hurt or tear anything down. The heart wants to create in connection. Do you know um, Satchidananda, Swami Sachi? You know, you know no. Sachi? He was, a, he was a very well-known Swami in the 70s. He actually did the opening ceremony for Woodstock. Okay. He, was giving a, he was giving a talk one day and they asked him to speak about the difference between illness and wellness. And without saying a word, he turned around to a whiteboard that was behind him and he wrote the words illness and wellness. He circled the I and he circled the we and he walked off of the stage. <laughs> Love it. So this is the big movement of the, the human race right now. I is the solar plexus. We is the heart chakra. Mm. Where there is too much I, we are separate from the source. And dis-ease is the only possibility in that. Moving into the we, we are connected to the source. And the heart center is the love that can heal all illnesses known to man. Right. And that sounds really cliche. <laughs> and I know that. And I always say that cliches are the truth that the heart understands, but the mind can't quite figure out. So it's tired of hearing it. Yeah. Right? The heart is a vibration. It's a frequency. We're not talking about love in the conceptual way that like humans talk about love. We have not figured love out as a human race. Love is still a game of ego. 
love is still, what do you do for me? What do I do for you? Does this work at like, love is still completely a concept because we can fall out of love as a human, which is a lie. Love is what it is. Love is life itself. You are that love. If you haven't felt that inside of your embodiment, it's still a battle of your solar plexus and your ego, right? When we get to the heart center, we open up a frequency. That frequency is chi energy. It's what Tai Chi and Qigong are all built around. Chi energy, which is the life force, the pranic life-giving essence. And when you open up that heart chakra, your whole embodiment gets fed in a flow of frequency that moves disease and brings everything back into balance. You can use your voice to do that. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, man, it's, it's, it's great. I, I feel like your, your wisdom is just sort of like washing over me. I'm just sort of listening to you here. Um, and I'm also aware of this curiosity around, again, how this all came to you because you, you we were on this track of understanding you, you were a professional musician and then you, and then you mm -hmm. like learned all this stuff and now here you are. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. So uh, an abridged version of that story is that I was signed, uh, I was involved with a record label when I was a teenager and I had a horrible experience with it. But I thought, oh, I'm about to become a star, right? The dreams are coming true. All the dreams of my life. You were, true. you were a teenage professional. Uh... At 19 years old, I was involved with a record label that I was going to uh, hopefully make an album with, with a group, right? And the experience itself was so debilitating. It was really hard. Um, it was an R&B hip hop group that we were put together, Harmony Group, that was popular in the 90s, right? And, cool, yeah. Um, it was like this moment where it's like, oh, we can we can go become famous now, you know. And I was with two two girls, one one of which like both of them. We just wanted to be stars. I mean, that's the dream, right? Everyone wants to be a star. Does anyone know why they want to be a star? They just want the the money and the fame. And I mean, do you even know if you're going to be a star? What your message would be for the world if the world is looking at you and the world is listening to you? What do you want to tell them? Right? At 19 years old, do I have any idea what I want to tell the world? No, I actually just want it for myself. Right? The ego game of I'm going to be a star. Everyone's going to know my name. I'm going to be famous and beautiful. I'm going to get in all the hot clubs or whatever. It's like, what were we even thinking about then? Anyway, um, I ended up in a situation where I was literally like so stifled and the self, the self stuff, like the insecurities and everything started coming out. So we couldn't write our own music because the money's in the writing and the label wanted that money. Um, we were singing songs that meant nothing to my heart. It was just hip hop, like R&B music that was good dance tunes. But like as an artist, it meant absolutely nothing. It was just like, OK, I'm supposed to, I guess I'm, I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do. Right. Following the formula. Um, and I really had these major this major moment where I realized existentially that I was in, I was, this was not my dream, right? And so I ended up quitting and I needed to find out who I was beyond being a, a singer. I stopped singing for seven years. How far did you get I, before you quit? Like, were you doing shows? Do you did you start recording? We were recording what? an album. Yeah, we started recording an album. And did you just, uh, did you just and walk I off out. and I just say, walked away. Who's coming with me? Yeah, no one came with me. Um, I was in a situation where I was being uh, mistreated sexually uh, by the person who was in charge of the group. 
And uh, I was with a man at the time who was signed to a Christian record label of all things. So he was going into a studio every day and he was singing about Christ and God and love. And like, he was in like his super spiritual place. And I was going in and singing about clubs and broken hearts and love and like all that typical music that we sing about, like, oh, how, how bad it is, you know, whatever, and how hot I am. Um, and then, uh, and then I realized like the, the juxtaposition of that, like I know why he was put in my life just to see what was going on to see some of my behaviors that were really not functional. And so I quit and just decided to walk away. And I'm like, I'm not a singer anymore. If this is the dream, I'm not doing it. I'm leaving. So I didn't know what to do with myself at all. I ended up going to beauty school of all things, because at that point I'd been a performer my entire life. So I was really good at doing makeup. And I decided I was going to do, I don't even wear makeup, <laughs> how people can grow. But the, um, I decided to put, to, to, to become a professional makeup artist. So I needed a license for that. And very, very early on in that schooling, I found body work and facials and energy healing. Mm -hmm. And I, I realized that I have hands that work as a healer and that there were these gifts that started opening up inside of me. We all have these gifts, by the way, every single one of us is a healer when we open up to this ability, right? But I was young and I had not even ever thought of these things. And I started to notice I could feel the energy in the human body. I could help people with pains. I like, okay, I'm, I can, I'm a healer. So I dove really deep into learning about the body, um, muscles, the bones, the energies, the chakras, the whole thing, how the healing works, how it all is. Um, and then I ended up moving to Australia. I'm telling you a very abridged, there's, there's a lot of story here, but I ended up moving to Australia and I found myself there. I opened a cafe, an organic cafe when I was living there and I ended up um, finding my way to an ashram where I learned about the power of chanting and mantra. And I witnessed with my eyes what mantra can do on a physical level. I was living on this ashram, which was a, a place where the whole valley was dry and arid and cracked from 35 years of drought in Australia. Yet this farm that this ashram was, was bountiful. It was growing all sorts of produce and food, like none of the other land that was in this was valley. Was this in Queensland? Where was this? It was in New South Wales. It was New in Cessnook. Okay. It was in um, the valley outside of Sydney. Because yeah. I, rem I remember now you and I share our love of the, the magical, the most magical place in the world, which is the Atherton Tablelands. Yes, the Tablelands. Oh God, do I love it up there. <laughs> I love Australia so much. Um, yeah, I remember also there that I went on a tour once and the guy there was like, what's the oldest tree here? And there were these like huge trees and it was this tiny little tree that was standing next to all these big trees. And it was a, it was a cycad that had been there for thousands of years, like since the dinosaurs. And There's it was like so there, short yeah. and they grow like every 150 years, they grow like a centimeter. You know, it's like this tree, but it was this little, and everyone, of course, is like these big trees. And it was this, per, and it was like, no, it's this tiny one. It was like amazing. <laughs> I love that place. Um, anyway, what was I, what was I saying? You're, uh, this Fertile Valley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I saw the power of the chanting, not only what it was doing in my own body, my, my health was improving. My eyesight was improving my hearing. Like everything became so sharp when I was doing this chanting work. Um, but I also was able to see the effect of it because at that time in Australia, there, there were water restrictions. You couldn't use 
a certain amount of water because otherwise they would just like lower the water pressure or they would turn your water off and fine you. So we were following all the regulations. The only difference between us and everybody else who couldn't grow anything was that we had a daily practice of chanting on the land, very specific mantras, right? So I learned, I saw it, I witnessed it. This is what I was talking about before with the embodiment, right? Nobody could take away from me the fact that I lived the truth that these, these sounds on a vibrational level align you with the grid of the earth and actually connect you to the source of life and then give you the ability to work within that, to create your own life and to create the outer world beyond your own life, like to really be a part of the much larger picture, right? So that was a major opening for me. And, and I had this, this moment where I realized, oh, my voice is not for singing uh, professionally, it's for this, it's for prayer. Uh, the power of the prayer is actually what my voice is for. And that's what I kind of decided, right? Then I went white water rafting in Fiji and broke my arm really badly. And when I broke my arm, I sang. And there was a three and a half hour car ride with a, with a fractured arm and oh. nobody bracing it. Oh. And it was, yeah, it's, it's quite a story. Um, and I sang to soothe myself, right? And I had this the amazing story, the Fijians in the front of this like off-roading four-wheel drive vehicle that were like going through Especially the jungle. Especially bumpy, yeah. Super bumpy. And, um, and they just kept giving me songs to sing so that I just stayed in song so that I wasn't crying or screaming, but instead I was just like soothing myself, right? So all of that comes out to a really botched surgery in Australia. And I end up with a very a paralyzed right arm. And they tell me that they're not, they don't know if they're gonna be able to fix it. And I have no choice but to go back to the United States to find a doctor who can. So my life in Australia comes to a close and my whole world gets to totally turned on its head. I had money, now it's all gone. I had like everything, like my whole life, <clears throat> which is how she works sometimes when you really have to change. <laughs> and I welcome it. It's like one of the greatest things. So she ends up, uh, the universe ends up bringing me back to New York and I find an amazing surgeon and it takes about a, a year and a half to get my arm back. But in that process, I met my first shaman. And if I didn't get back to New York, I never would have met this shaman who saved my, changed my life. So in my first ceremony with him, I had a vision of what I would call God. But I now I don't know if I'd call it God, of course, because God is everything. But it was, you know, just white light booming um, all around, everything illuminated a feeling of just love unconditionally in the cells. And it felt like my cells were separating, right? And this booming voice, androgynous voice comes from this light and tells me that I've been ignoring a gift that I've been given. And I said, well, what's the gift? And this voice says, your voice. And I immediately collapsed in that moment, right? Like shame mm -hmm. uh, in this way of, I know, I know that I can sing. I've always had this ability. Like I know that this was a birthright because it was like, it came so young, but it's just not what I want it to be. Like, I have no idea what to do with this voice. You know, I, I, I went and I got signed and the whole thing with the label, but it's not what I'm here to do, you know? And I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. And this voice says to me, I've given you the voice for healing. When you use your voice, you heal your body. When someone else hears that, they get that vibration of that healing into their body. 
and they themselves are healed. It's the most healing tool for the human race, our own voice. We go to singing bowls and gongs and um, tuning forks, all very valuable, all very important, right? Guitars and pianos and all of these instruments that yes, we know music heals. We know that our body heals, right? But your own voice is your own tool, completely adjusted, telling your soul. Your soul is basically reading the grid of your embodiment and moving its own frequency through the cells and moving out energy as it does it, right? So this is the primary tool, but for other human beings, uh, let's say a piano. A piano has um, ivory and metal and wood, right? And when a great pianist gets in with that piano, they can translate all their emotions into that piano and you can feel from that what they're feeling and it can just bathe over you and you can release and you can cry and you can be moved, right? But with the human voice, there's zero translation necessary. Yeah. Your body directly understands what is going coming out of my body. It's moving from skin and blood and air and bone. It's moving through what you are, right? So there's no translation. It's a direct transmission from one body to the other. And this is actually how we function every day, how we speak to each other, not just singing. Vibrationally, we are communicating at a much deeper level with each other than our words alone. God didn't say all those things, but I just, that was a side product. God said to me that this is the most healing, healing tool. And when you use your voice, whoever is in the room gets bathed in that frequency. And if they need healing at that level, they will be healed at that level. Right? So then God said to me, every time you have been asked to sing for the past seven years, and you have said no, which had happened a lot, you've been spitting in my face. And that shame went so much deeper. How could you spit in God's face, right? And I just felt so much guilt. I mean, that's the way that the church and the temples and the, and the, the guilt of like, how can I spit in God's face, right? And so I begged him. I said, yeah. please forgive me. I don't want to spit in your face. What can I do for your forgiveness? And this voice said to me, promise me moving forward, if anybody asks you to sing, you're going to say yes. And all is forgiven. And I, of course, for my life said, of course, God, I will say yes if anybody asks me to sing. I don't want to go to hell, right? And with that, the shaman taps me on my shoulder. And he says, canta. And I'm completely as high as a person can be on ayahuasca. <laughs> and um, I'm looking at him and he's got this big smile on his face and he's saying canta. And I have no idea what he's saying to me. And the person in the circle is like, he's asking you to sing, Marin. And I was like, now? See, see. And I knew in that moment he had seen the whole interaction, right? Yeah. And I remembered as a child, there was this book, The Way of the Shaman, that my father used to read to me as a child. And they talked about how the shaman can see interdimensionally and shapeshift and all those things. And it was like this wild story when I was a kid. You know, like, I didn't know if I believed it or not. But in that moment, it all was like, he just saw this interaction and the medicine just told him to come get me to sing because I just made that promise, right? It was like, <sighs> the timing was like, couldn't even believe it, right? So then I was like, well, how do you sing? 
what do you sing? I've never sung in a ceremony before. I've never been in a ceremony like this before. Like, how do I, what do I actually share? My mind started running a mile a minute with song ideas and like fear and my heart's racing and my tongue's going numb and all the, and that was when the medicine came to me and just said, why are you scared? You sing, why are you scared? And I said, I don't know, what, what do you sing in a ceremony? I don't even know. And the medicine said, no, this has nothing to do with that. Why are you scared? And she took me down this rabbit hole in a room of people who barely know me, don't even know me, you know, like, and took me down this rabbit hole and took me through all the times in my life that I had compromised my voice, that I'd sold myself out for what I thought I wanted, that I had failed, I'd, I'd missed an audition or I did something like all the times I had like bottled up insecurity and shame around my voice, right? And I cried and cried and cried and got through it. And he didn't do anything. He just left the room to watch me do that. <laughs> and then at the end, there was a song that was waiting there for me. That was about burning all of life to the ground so that new life could grow. And it was a song that I hadn't heard since I was 18 years old. Right. And I sang it. And that was the beginning of it. Right. That was so that was the the first step of bringing my voice back through the medicine. But if you fast forward about six months, I'm in another ceremony. And she said to me, you know, you have the ability to open up people's voices. And I said, I do. And she said to me, do you know that, um, do you notice that every time someone comes into ceremony, like they inevitably want to sing, they want to use their voice. And I said, I had noticed it. Yeah. Like I started singing again. And so had my community that it was building now, like people were starting to use their voice. And she said, this is me freeing the soul. When you can liberate your voice, you can heal all of that. And you know how to do this. Do you ever wonder why you took so many different life turns? I mean, my life chapter after chapter has been so random, right? She's like, do you ever wonder why? And I was like, kind of, I just thought I'm just flying by the seat of my pants here, you know? And she literally in vision and ceremony showed me in three-dimensional grid, the entire program that I teach now. And she showed me how all the different things, all the different nuggets I'd collected over time, when you overlap them, the yoga, the, the chanting, the psychology, the body work, the professional singing, and now the shamanic, right? Mm -hmm. How it all moves in to unlock each of these centers and to ultimately liberate the entire voice so that the voice can heal itself and thusly the world. Because once you actually free your own voice, you will use it for good. This is the, this is the innate truth of our existence. All human beings are innately good. It's layers and layers of trauma. It's layers and layers of egoic um, manipulation that has happened to us that moves us into compromising who we truly are. That gives us the feeling of separation and that separation will let us hurt one another, mistreat one another, mislead one another, right? It's all about self-preservation. But when you actually open all this up, you'll be reawoken into the warrior of light that you are. And you will use your voice to, for profound good in this world, profound good. And sometimes that good is not, I'm going to save the planet. Sometimes that good is, I'm going to really love my child. I'm going to give them a great parent. <laughs> that is enough in this world of most people in pain. It's enough to just really love your child. It doesn't mean you're a failure. You didn't, you didn't go write the best sonnet or you didn't go you know, create the rocket ship or whatever it is you're supposed to do. There are varying, varying 
levels of what we've all come here to do. And in life in general, anytime we can bring love into the world, we've done our job. So whatever it is that drives you in love, get your voice behind it and start to do it. And you'll see just how good the human race actually is. Right? So that's how the whole system came together. There's the story of the system. Yes, this is, and that's what I was looking for. I was looking for, you know, this, the twists and turns of your life because there's nobody else who could have put this together, I don't think. Because it's just such a, it's just such a wild, you know, t- t- story. <laughs> um, I, I, so, okay, going back to, so can, can anybody ask you to sing at any time and you will? That's still true? It's still true. Can we sing, will you sing right now? Oh my God, what do you want to hear? Uh, I don't, because I, I don't know how good our, our um, how good it will show up uh, in the right. audio or the video, but uh I mean, just just something that uh, feels good for you to sing. Okay. Um, do you want to hear the song that I sang in the ceremony since I just told the story? Yeah. Yep. It's a serious song. Is it okay? And it's not upbeat. It's well, serious. actually, I want to I want to hear because you sang songs in our ceremonies that yeah. were uh, beautiful, and uh, so you know, I want to learn to sing in ceremony. And I heard somewhere that the, the psychedelics, the plant medicines are like, they, they open the door, but then the songs like create the experience. That's what sort yeah. of, you know, uh, structures the, the experience to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So the Icaros, they're called Icaros. Icaros, yeah. Uh, and they're literally songs that the plant teaches the shaman to sing and the medicine gets you in a certain frequency pattern, but the song goes in and administers the healing. So the way it was taught to me is that the spirit of the plant itself requires the human voice to ride on so that it can actually come into the physical world mm. in this way, right? Our voice is the, the chariot of the spirit that is of that plant that will come in and now work the body. Right. And I mean, I've witnessed so many miraculous healings. So are you wanting a medicine song? Yeah. Yeah. Just like, uh, doesn't even have to be a full, I don't know. Yeah. Right. Med- well, I'll, sing, I'll or... sing Dan Sun. I'll sing okay. Dan Sun, okay. which is a song that is, a, it's a medicine song that calls in the ancestry, um, our ancestors to guide us and to heal us in our relationships and in our in our journeys, heal our hands. I mean, uh, work our hands, work our feet to, to just support us so that we can make the best decisions for the future, right? So this is a cappella now. There's normally a shruti, right? Dansan los años, dansan y los caminos nos ponen fueva. Danzan los años, danzan y los caminos nos ponen pruebas. Pruebas de fuego, pruebas duras, batallas y decisiones. Pruebas de fuego, pruebas duras, batallas y decisiones. 
espíritus protectores y mis ancestros van de la mano. Guidan de mi energía, mis emociones y relaciones. Guidan de mi energía, mis emociones y relaciones. Ella, 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 ella. Mm. Thank you. Oh, that was good. Awesome. <laughs> what a treat. Just one. There's I, was, so I take I take notes uh, as as you're talking, and I had like written, seeing, and underlined it like four or five times. So I was like, I better just ask her to sing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know thousands and thousands of songs, but there's one one example. But yeah, I can't say no now. It's like a thing. <laughs> but I also I also don't get nervous anymore. I just share my voice, and that's something that that I, I really emphasize about this work, not just your singing voice, but your speaking voice and anything. If you're someone at home who, if you were asked to speak in front of a room right now about something that you're passionate about, and just the thought of that makes your heart start to race and like, oh my God, you know, your voice is a gift to us. Your spirit sharing its experience, your unique perspective on the world, right? This is a gift to every other person who gets to hear it. And if you don't feel that within your being, then there's some work that you really should think about doing so that you can be of your greatest impact on this planet. And like I said, that doesn't mean you have to go become a TED talker or be a politician or go like, you know, raise millions of dollars to save anything. Like I'm not, if you want to, you could and you should and you can and do it, right? But I'm, I'm even talking about the slightest ways that you speak to people, that you that you interact in the world that makes such a huge impact and a huge difference. It's the ripples, not the waves, right? And all of us are those ripples. So if if the thought of being asked to sing and you actually being like, oh my God, I can't, 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 there's insecurity in there that you actually have the power to move. I don't think of myself like, oh yeah, I'm the best. I'm the best singer in the world. I'm the best voice there ever was. Like, it's not an ego game that I'm talking about here, right? I'm not saying you should grab every mic that's in front of you and be like, listen to my voice. Like, that's a different story, right? That's, that's work too. Grab every shower head that's in front of you. Exactly. Like, <laughs> this is my voice. Everyone hear me, right? Um, but ultimately, to be able to confidently stand in your skin and speak your truth and sing your song, whatever that may be, or tell your story to the world with confidence. This is every human being's birthright. In Buddhism, they say primordial confidence is mm. what we are born with. The confidence of a human is primordial, which means just the fact that the cosmic self and the earth intelligence has come together to give you birth and you life in this realm should already imbue you with the utmost confidence. And you need to find your power 
and your, your, your alignment with that intelligence and honor that and trust it. Your instincts will never fail you. Just trust your instincts, right? And a lot of what vocalization is, is, is your instincts. When you're not in your instinctual self, it becomes more fragmented and more contrived, right? Yeah. This is a great time to tell people how they can work with you. Okay. So really exciting. Uh, in January, I'm going to be having my first flight of an online course that is finally coming out after all these years so that more people can work with me. And I'm a part of that course. So there'll be uh, bi-weekly call-ins with me where you can ask me questions individually. So you're going to get some access to the teacher, but it's a four month course. It's reasonably priced. So it's perfect. If this is your year to find your voice, go to www.vocal-transformation.com. And there's a way to get us your email and sign up for the course. Um, and that'll be starting in January. But go on, go on now and sign up because people are already signing up. So you should definitely go on okay. and be a part of this. Then the other thing is the retreats, which I absolutely couldn't recommend more if you want to come in and get a, a real breakthrough experience. So I don't really call them retreats. I call them expeditions. Because as you know, as you've, as you've experienced, Derek, um, I work you. Right. You're not coming to just hang out in Costa Rica or come hang out in Mexico or come hang out at Ravencrest Farm here in New York, where I like hold these retreats. You're coming because you're ready to see the change and I will work you. So we go through day after day exercises and different different um, components of the chakra system. We we heal by sharing with each other. We hold each other in sacred space and the majority, not all, but the majority of the, the retreats have some sort of sacred plant medicine ceremonies to help us crack in deeper. They are not mandatory. So even if you don't work with medicines, you can still come and be part of the group without being part of the, the medicine ceremonies. And there are some retreats that don't have medicine ceremonies. One will be here in New York state uh, next July in this next coming mm. summer in New York, if you're in the US, but I hold retreats in Costa Rica in other places of the world as well in California. Um, but if you just go on to vocal-transformation.com, you can see where the retreats are and you can also email the website and get any of your questions answered. Perfect. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm probably, probably be in that course as well for, for folks listening and, uh, super exciting. And I, you know, I love the thought of you, you know, expanding this reach to, to help more having experienced it. So, um, yeah, thank you so much, uh, for, for your work. You know, I want to acknowledge you for just, being amazing and uh, <laughs> uh, your stories today and, and teaching so much. So thanks. Thanks for coming on the show and uh, thanks for everything else. Thank you so much for having me. Bye-bye. <laughs>are you waking up to the spiritual world and realizing that you have no idea what you're doing, but you feel like you kind of probably should, especially since 
you seem to be seeing things and feeling things and having things see you that maybe aren't so great and that you might want to actually control your experience of that. Well, I have great news for you because our Welcome to the Woo program does just that for you. It teaches you how to hold your energy field, manage your energy field, clear your energy field, protect your energy field, and learn how to protect your space. And you learn how to do basic divination and talk to your guides so that you feel like you actually have a clue and have a way to talk to the guides that will help you to figure everything else out. And it teaches you how to make sure that you feel mentally, emotionally, and energetically safe. That means that we also deal with things like fear and anxiety and worry and dread and self-doubt and inner and outer judgments. And we help you build a foundation of self-support and courage. All of these things together create a solid sense of safety in your own life. They will reduce your stress levels in half, guaranteed. So visit the website at kellysparta.com and find out more about the Welcome to the Woo program. Your future awaits.